You're listening to sounds recorded in April of 2023 when the workers of Blinkit struck work in the national capital region of Delhi. Please excuse the dramatic music. That's a creative choice made by the broadcast journalist at Mirror Now that I was not able to undo. In its tagline, everything delivered in minutes, Blinkit makes a promise that would have been extraordinary even a few years ago. This is the Delivery Charge podcast and I'm your host and producer Aju John. If my voice sounds different, please be assured that it is still me here speaking to you at the end of 2023 recovering from a bout of COVID-19 fever. When I moved to live in Delhi in 2014, the neighborhood grocery store known as the Kirana was the main source of all my groceries. We could call the store and place an order and a worker would come home with the items in the order. Now despite that convenience, I remember being moderately excited about being able to shop online for groceries from a service called Grofers which allowed me to schedule the delivery at a convenient time when someone was at home to receive it. Grofers was founded in 2013. The founders, Saurabh Kumar and Albinder Dhinsa, were IIT engineers who met each other in the United States. We used to be a delivery service for local merchants and realized that the ordering process from these shops was still unreliable, offline and unorganized. Hence, we decided to build a front-end system to help consumers order conveniently and quickly. the duo told an industry publication in 2016 not long after receiving 120 million us dollars in funding from the japanese investor softbank they remained an online grocery service until the end of 2021 a year during which a large part of india had been under lockdown owing to the government's pandemic control measures on the company's blog albinder dhinsa announced that the company's infrastructure would be repurposed for quick commerce today we are surging ahead as a new company he wrote and i quote We have a new mission statement: instant commerce, indistinguishable from magic. And we will no longer be doing this as grofers; we will be doing it as Blinkit. Unquote. To ensure 10-minute delivery, Dinsa went about building a dense network of so-called dark stores and a network of riders in every locality he wanted to serve. 15 months later, those delivery workers in Delhi NCR were protesting and refusing to work. Some of them were interviewed by an NDTV reporter. outside a dark store in ghaziabad ma'am hamari id pehle pata a year ago we were earning rupees 50 for each delivery then without notice it was reduced to rupees 25 now once again without notice that amount has been reduced to 10 and 15 10 aur 15 rupees mein kar di gayi hai ab bataiye hum 10 ya 15 how can we work for 10 and 15 we deliver orders for 40 and 50 kilos hum leke jate hain aur kis tarah se hum kaam kare The voice in English was that of my friend the lawyer Ashish Singh. Around the time of these protests I also spoke with Rikta Krishnaswamy a coordinator with the All India Gig Workers Union or the AIGWU. You may have also heard from her on a previous episode of this podcast. Ajju basically uh, they've uh, slashed their uh, per packet delivery rates from 32 to 15 rupees. Um basically like Blinkit is course partly owned by zomato right so i think yeah this is a tendency in like most new app companies they'll give like a slightly higher delivery rate and once they've kind of like amassed a certain market and workforce they slash it down to like 15 um so uh, basically uh, it's only been a day since the rate cards have been changed for the workers but you know most of them have quit like companies like dunzo and zomato or 
wherever the you know rates are very low to companies like blinkit and zepto you know because there is a little higher uh, per delivery rate You know how the cost of fuel has been increasing recently. Instead of increasing our earnings, they have reduced them. At first, it was 50, then it was reduced to 25, and now, without notice, it has been reduced to 15. Tell me, the cost of everything has increased, from the price of petrol to the cost of maintaining our bikes. Our expenses have risen, and suddenly they have reduced our earnings. There are hundred to hundred and fifty riders here all the time. I want to ask the store manager who is asking us to work according to this rate card to work with us for ten hours and show us that he is able to earn at least four hundred rupees. As of May 2022, the statutory minimum wage in Delhi for unskilled work, which is the category of work with the lowest wages, is rupees six hundred and thirty-five per day. that is the lowest wage that an employer is allowed to pay under law now the minimum wage under law often falls short of what is called a living wage which is the amount of money a worker and their family needs to not live in poverty blinkets striking delivery workers were protesting the fact that under this new rate card their daily earnings would not even amount to the legal minimum wage the latest reduction to their earnings had followed 8 months after the company had been completely acquired by the food delivery platform company zomato for 568 million us dollars ab ye batai itne sare rider hain 1 lakh many riders have to maintain bikes worth 1 lakh rupees they also have to pay monthly installment on their loans how will they do that the company have given them some notice a month notice is the minimum necessary to adjust their budget all these riders have been worried for the past week how will they manage their family expenses and pay for fuel and these loan installments I want to ask them, but no one from the company is ready to come outside to speak with us. Whenever there are these strikes that are called, they are fairly, fairly spontaneous. Despite our best efforts at convincing workers otherwise, um, and that's also because uh, most of um, you know these companies, like say Blinkit, is fairly new compared to the other ones. but uh, most of the people who are working in it are you know have worked for other platform companies so they have seen uh, in some cases like direct action work uh, previously and so um, so it's usually kind of like well established or slightly more experienced gig workers who will try to use these kind of like direct action means um as a way to get the management to support some of their demands right uh, or to agree to some of their demands um so i usually uh, coordinate with like these four or five key workers it might be at like a store level um or it could also be like friends of these workers who you know know me who put me in touch with them and uh, so i um i and the other coordinators in delhi ncr we usually like talk to the main kind of like um delivery partners who are somehow guiding or you know taking leadership of the strike uh, in these different areas you are listening to rikta krishnaswami on the delivery charge podcast rikta is a coordinator with the all india gig workers union which is a national federation of gig worker unions and um, whenever there have been strikes like we've been there um to do campaigns and you know like raise awareness and we support like through whatever ways right so 
i think by now at least in delhi ncr um like most people you know like there will be an ex dunzo worker who will have joined blinket they'll just give us a call immediately when they're thinking of calling a strike but other than that like uh, we also like you know there are journalists who are focused on like say gig workers issues who just call us and say hey you know like um i saw a strike happening here uh, it's a spontaneous thing uh you can go help them out um in this case basically uh, uh, we are just helping them frame the demands and telling them to not just leave it at like a strike at a store level but to uh, get the deputy labor commissioner involved and to keep forth like their demands uh, in the case of uh, hyper local deliveries unlike food delivery where there is no like one store that the worker is attached to in the case of these hyper local grocery apps there is a store like a dark store that they collect um, their uh, you know goods from to deliver to homes so uh, so uh, there are existing laws of like the shops and establishment act of you know like delhi and haryana for gurgaon that will be applicable so we are basically looking to invoke uh, when we meet the dlc um, you know invoke all the issues that are in contravention with the shops and establishment act so like minimum wages uh holidays so these guys get no holidays their ids get blocked uh if they take a day off and things like that um as well as like you know um there is some definition around like working hours break times uh and pay for the same so yeah so we'll we'll try and pursue that angle when we meet the dlc the dlc or the deputy labor commissioner is the most senior official in the labor ministry of a state government at the level of a district the district is a geographical unit of administration in india states in india are administratively divided into districts now under most indian labor laws labor ministries of the different state governments are responsible for their enforcement these are the mid 20th century labor laws that we have already discussed in the last two episodes of this podcast laws such as the industrial disputes act the factories act the shops and establishments act the employees provident fund act and the employee state insurance act these laws set out some minimum standards such as in relation to wages working hours and occupational health and safety and set up the framework for redressing worker grievances and for the representation of workers in some decisions about work for example the factories act 1948 and the delhi shops and establishments act 1954 set out the maximum number of hours that a worker can be required to work every day or every week in the workplaces that are covered by these laws they also set out among other things the rules regarding leave holidays and the calculation of overtime pay both these laws also describe the powers of a labor inspector who can conduct investigations into compliance with these rules and standards in several indian states the deputy labor commissioner performs the role of this labor inspector there is some background information to help you understand why rikta and others at the all india gig workers union wanted the striking blanket workers to approach the deputy labor commissioner however as we learned in the last two episodes the vast majority of indian workers do not receive the labor or welfare protections available under these laws because they worked in small scale enterprises that were specifically exempt from most of these laws or as informal workers where it was difficult to clearly establish the presence of an employer employee relationship which was a legal condition for the applicability of these laws very simply in order to claim wages or paid leave for example under these laws a worker has to first establish 
that they are employed by the person or company that they were claiming wages or paid leave from. More than 90% of Indian workers do not have the right to approach an official from the Labour Ministry with such a complaint. Whether platform workers such as Blinkit's delivery workers can benefit from these laws and approach the Deputy Labour Commissioner is still very much a contested question. As regular listeners to this podcast will know, it is part of a global struggle between the platform companies that try to avoid obligations under labour laws and workers and unions who claim rights and benefits under these laws. You're listening to me, Aju John, on the 8th episode of the Delivery Charge podcast. In the last two episodes, we explored how an emerging gig workers movement is seeking to leverage the dynamics of competitive electoral politics in India to demand legal reform. This podcast is about platform delivery workers organizing for fairer conditions of work in Germany where I live and in India where I am from. It is supported by the MS Marian Art Tagore International Center of Advanced Studies Metamorphoses of the Political, or ICASMP, which is an Indo-German research collaboration of six Indian and German institutions funded by the German Federal Ministry of Education and Research. If you like listening to this podcast, please subscribe to the feed and rate us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you have been listening. Review this podcast and give it five stars. Tell your friends and colleagues about it. In 2020, the Government of India attempted to amend and consolidate all of India's federal labour laws into four courts that dealt separately with wages, industrial relations, social security and occupational safety, health and working conditions. These changes did nothing to expand the coverage of the laws on wages, industrial relations and occupational health and safety. The only exception is the Social Security Code of 2020, which has consolidated the welfare and social security systems that were applicable piecemeal to several different types of informal workers. It has also proposed the creation of such a system for gig and platform workers. That said, in order to approach the Deputy Labour Commissioner with a complaint about wages or working time or dangerous conditions of work, the striking delivery workers of Blinkit would still have to show that the relevant laws applied to them. This, as regular listeners to this podcast will know, is something that platform work companies have been resisting, not only in India, but in many other parts of the world. In the fifth episode titled A Normal Working Day, we had contrasted a migrant delivery worker's pursuit of stability in Germany with the notion of flexibility, which platform companies have argued, provide workers with the ability to work where they want and how they want. This debate is now a decade old, with platforms seen, depending on where you stand, as either the latest attack on the obligations that employers owe the workers under law, or as pioneers of a new way of working that fits the new way of living. And courts are no stranger to litigation about whether platform workers could claim rights under ordinary labour law. In the UK, for example, Uber drivers have been able to claim their rights as employees of the company because their work was core to the business of the company and because of the control the company had over their work. On the other hand, delivery workers of Deliveroo, a food delivery platform, were recently denied some rights available to other workers under ordinary labour law because some aspects of their work were, in the words of the UK Supreme Court, fundamentally inconsistent with any notion of an employment relationship. In India, 
Blinkit refers to its delivery workers using terms such as independent contractor or partner. The issue once again came to the fore in July this year when spontaneous strikes of urban company workers spread across several Indian cities. Following a change in the company's policy, several workers had abruptly lost access to their accounts on those apps. An abrupt termination of employment would not be legal under regular labor law. But did those laws apply to urban company? I have been blocked now for five or six days after having worked hard for eight years I have not made any personal customers our work has lifted the company to a certain level but in spite of that they are removing old workers and adding new ones just so they can get 50,000 rupees from those who join now. We have also paid, but after five years, the company blocks us without give, giving us even a month's notice. The voice of the English language translation is that of my friend, the anthropologist Atre Mujumdar. On the Urban Company app, users can receive services from beauticians, masseurs, sofa cleaners, carpenters, and electricity technicians. After starting life in 2014 as Urban Clap, the company came to be valued at an astounding 2 billion US dollars in 2021. Its goal was to provide standardized home-based services through trained service professionals. On October 8th of that very year, roughly 100 women, most of them beauty workers in their urban company uniforms, protested for the entire day outside the company's office in Gurgaon. Karishma Mehrotra reported for Scroll.in that it was the pressure of ratings and the company's insistence on workers retraining after their ratings declined that was the spark that lit the fire. Somirendra Barik reported for N-Tracker that the protests were also a response to a hike in the company's commissions to as high as 35%. The All India Gig Workers Union interviewed some of the protesting workers. They block our IDs if our ratings are low. Then you're asked to go for retraining. The company should only require us to retrain on the basis of complaints. They should not block our IDs. When we joined Urban Clap, they told us that we had the freedom to work. We could maintain our households and work part-time. Today, however, they have told us that we need to do 30 or 40 jobs without which we will face a penalty of 2,000 rupees or have our IDs blocked. We are being tortured so much with these ID blocks. They block our IDs when the rating falls below 4.7. If it falls below that, they call us for retraining. They pester us, asking us to go for retraining, but they don't tell us what the client has complained about. And we don't know what we are being retrained for. They just tell us we have to go for retraining. If we don't work for six months having taken some leave, the company will block our ID. We will have to open an ID with a second phone number. We will also have to buy a new kit. Tell me, if we have bought a kit from the company for 35,000 rupees to start working here, should the company continue to have the right to block us from working? Unless there is some kind of legal case. <laughs> 
We have actually invested in this company. The voice translating the words of the protesting worker into English was that of my friend, the economist Viola Kuzmova Anand. Urban Company responded to these protests by reducing the highest commission rates from 30% to 25% and by also limiting the circumstances in which a worker is blocked from the platform. N-tracker Somirendra Barik reported that the company discussed these changes at a meeting with a number of women who had protested outside the office in Gurgaon and had also lifted the blocking of their IDs. Several of the same women workers protested again two months later. According to reporting from N-tracker, more than 50 of them stayed overnight on December 21 in front of the company's office in freezing temperatures. Platform companies have often sold to workers and governments the idea that their technology allowed for new ways of working that were better adapted to the new ways in which people were living. Work no longer needed to be limited by fixed geographical locations or with fixed time schedules. This welcomed many more people into the world of paid work than were previously permitted under more limited conceptions of work. Given the prevalence of this rhetoric, therefore, it came as a bit of a surprise when it turned out in December of 2021 that the principal target of the ire of the protesting urban company workers was a new system that would require them to plan their monthly calendar of work in advance and pay upfront a subscription fee to secure that work plan. The alternative to the system was an inferior system called Flexi that workers alleged would penalize workers for not joining the subscription system. This new pressure to have fixed schedules emerged as a key concern for women workers who also had domestic responsibilities. This time, after talks with the CEO Abhiraj Bell broke down, the company filed a lawsuit against the protesting workers. It sought a court injunction restraining the women from holding any demonstrations, shouting slogans, or assembling on or near the office premises. Many months later, in July of 2023, women workers were again protesting outside Urban Company's office at Udyog Vihar in Gurgaon. Reporters from CNBC TV 18 interviewed them. Let me give you an example. Suppose I am in Delhi and I get a booking from Gurgaon where I have to be in 30 minutes. The travel time is one hour. The customer is not happy with the delay and cancels the booking. This will go against me. If five such cancellations happen in a month, I am blocked permanently. Soon after these protests broke out, when I spoke with AIGW coordinator Rikta Krishnaswamy again, I learned that blocking of IDs had once again provoked a new round of protests. It came to our attention that, you know, people's IDs were being blocked and they were not uh, getting jobs. This has been happening for the last one year, huh, by the way. Uh, Urban Company basically has this policy where uh, to improve your rating, uh, you're given like a couple of warnings and... Uh, you know, asked to like retrain and things like that. And uh, last year, basically, we reached out to a group in Bombay. Uh, we also heard this in Delhi. 
that there were many workers that were not being called back for retraining. So I think this has been in play for much longer than we've uh, uh, th than the current news cycle, um, in which uh, despite being told that they will be given retraining, like six months, seven months, nothing, crickets, right? Um, and that time, you know, like the numbers were very less, like it was very, you know, uh, extreme circumstances. Like we have a union member who's who was sent to Hyderabad from Delhi and her daughter fell really ill. And so she came back last year and because of her leave of absence, and she's like a 4.9 out of five star kind of like worker. She was sent to Hyderabad in this Lux category that they have for the beauticians um, because of her exemplary performance. And because, and she paused her calendar, she told her category manager. And despite that, uh, the system basically like blocked her ID, right? So it's been in play for some time. And what happened was, I think uh, around April, May, and parts of June, uh, this started happening very uniformly, not within just one category of service professionals, but across. Um, our first meeting in Delhi happened on the 27th of May. So it was quite early, like we, you know, because we're part of these like informal groups. Um, we caught it, we called for a public meeting. And even that time, the first public meeting that we held, there were only like 60 odd people who came and 99% of them were women from the beauty segment. So it seemed like that it, it happened unevenly, but then it kind of like spread pretty much throughout different categories and also different cities. Even yesterday, they made us wait till seven or eight in the evening. At the end, they told us their seniors are flying in from Bangalore and that we would get a solution today. They are calling each of us women individually to tell us that our blocks may be lifted in two or three days. On July 12th, the All India Gig Workers Union had supported protests by urban company workers in several cities. In the week leading up to it, the AIGWU published the testimonies of several workers on their social media. I used to work at Urban Company and still work there. They have blocked my account for four months now. I worked there for four years and they blocked my ID without informing me. I want to work but they are not giving me work. I'm very worried. I have household expenses, have taken a home loan and also bought a scooty. We are in a lot of difficulty. Earlier they kept telling me they would unblock my account. I've been to their office at least a hundred times but no one listened to me. Suddenly I got a call from ma'am saying that my account cannot be unblocked because of my rating. They lowered my ratings and have blocked me because of those ratings. I'm very worried. Please help me. The voice on the English translation is that of my friend, the designer Shilpi Boiler. In an email sent to the CEO Abhiraj Singh Bail, the AIGWU demanded, among other things, the unblocking of IDs, putting a stop to the practice of permanent ID blocking, the elimination of several rating systems that judged workers on parameters other than the level of their service, and a lowering of the minimum rating threshold that workers had to meet to remain on the app. Back in the day when 
operations didn't become super remote workers would actually uh, collectivize they all have like these informal whatsapp groups for people in their zone and you know like things like that um there is some kind of like you know care element to it also like newer workers who come onto the groups if they don't know how to do basic things like older workers will like help them out or even like you know fill in like troubleshooting and you know, because everything is now like automated right even if there's a penalty and it's incorrect and if they have to reverse it they have to like fill in a google form and then they have to like call the customer care center get a ticket number keep following it up so so those th- there are these kind of like minute day to day issues like which get resolved through just kind of like you know collective action sometimes like it's just like guiding them what's the right way of doing things uh but um and of course like there are many times where i think and we've seen this uh, where they also take to social media you know this it's also a digitally savvy audience there are young workers who know how to use twitter and facebook and things like that uh, but i think those are like for smaller issues right like once basically like last year uh, we realized there was an accident of a swiggy delivery rider and the company was trying to like say that it was not during work time or something like that and so they took him to aims and uh, then aims said oh we don't have space uh, so you know you refer him to like whatever the insurance company so they stitched him up and they said but he needs to do follow up check uh, follow up checks right uh and that's when the workers realized that their insurance their accident insurance hadn't been um updated apparently they had switched service providers and for a month or two they were just like operating without any accident insurance so around that time like you know there were workers from other zones also who like reached at the hospital and they started calling the area manager and you know like saying like you get this sorted now and the area manager was like it's under not under my control i have to always escalate things to the head office so they found like very coincidentally a ndtv ro- reporter there who was doing some story on noida and they were just like you have to show this on the 9 o'clock news and then the reporter was like oh let me talk to this area manager and he said you want to be on the 9 o'clock news today right so these are like you know for day to day issues i i it's amazing like how circuitous the process is because you know there's no like head office or there's no information there's nothing on the app that's actually to like troubleshoot the workers worries in urban company which are you know beautician services and all of that workers have to pay every time they call the customer care center i think it's like a way to dissuade them right like from raising complaints and things like that but imagine like you know there was a case where a woman um uh, was supposed to uh, you know the customer was supposed to pay 2000 rupees she didn't get it right and later on the company was like oh we can't help you with this you know the customer is king like we can't go and like call her we we called her twice and she refuses to like now answer our questions right there's a there's a process there's an sop in companies for these kinds of things but the first thing that the company representatives do is just try and like you know uh, shoo them away so then like she called me and i was like okay let's just find where the offices and let's just land there we go there it turns out to be like just a training center and you were like you know it's 2000 bucks it's a lot of money i can't lose that and so then very like after they looked at me because i was just standing there and i just said ki i'm just you know here to help her sort this out i didn't say i'm from the union or anything because they saw me there they were like oh you know there is this person in the green park office who you can escalate your concerns to you know 
So I would say like grievance redressal individually is very difficult for workers who are anyways working 10 to 12 hours. But there are networks of care um, and collectivization just for like this kind of like day-to-day troubleshooting, right? That they do have. There are these groups based on like zones and cities and things like that where workers can actually talk amongst each other and somebody might have gone through that problem and will help, you know, figure it out. Uh, but I think like it's it's by design, you know, like to keep them constant, like this obfuscation is not like a bug, it's a feature, you know, many people are like, I'll, it's okay, I'll just leave that 2000 rupees, you know, versus having to just like traverse to the city to find like who the right escalation point is for me. You're again listening to Rikta Krishnaswamy on the Delivery Charge podcast. I am Aju John. The workers of Urban Company protested in July 2023 against several of the company's policies, but chiefly the practice of abruptly and permanently blocking workers from using the app to work. There was no notice period during which they could arrange their affairs to meet their new situation, and there was no way to appeal to have the block lifted. If flexible work meant that they could be separated from their livelihood at a moment's notice, the workers wanted no part of it. At the very least, these workers argued in 2023, the company owed them sufficient notice before blocking them. They were also owed a path towards unblocking. Spandan Pratyush, who like Rikta, is a coordinator at the AIGWU, was developing the strategies that would compel the company to meet these demands. So, till very recent time, we were not really fighting for this employer-employer relationship. But then what was happening in an urban company, people were asking, people were asked to mark their calendars for a minimum of 12 hours a day working like up to 18 hours a day, like forced to do this. And then they were being blocked over weird reasons. Uh, they had weird parameters of defining performance criteria, like 4.7 rating and above. And their rating can go down by, uh, because of no fault of theirs. Or they need to have a response rate, like they cannot cancel more than 20% of the jobs which they're getting. And then once again, cancellation is not always in their hands. Sometimes the customer might cancel and they would have to pay for it. Uh, the rating, because the customer is unhappy with the products which the company, uh, urban company has forced on them. Or the, ta- the timing starts which they didn't get. And they would just give a bad rating to the, uh, to the delivery, uh, sorry, the, the partner or actually the workers. And they would get blocked. There's so many stories. We have like hundreds of stories, a lot of which we have posted on social media as videos and a lot of which we have as evidence to show what is happening in an urban company. And uh, once again, when we went to the Labor Commission for this, like we realized at least permanent blocking of ideas, this is illegal. This cannot be done. We cannot apply any act, uh, any act or we can just go to court and argue on right to life. Like you can't just take away someone's job and livelihood by a mere notification in a day without even giving them a proper reason why this is happening. So, we, when we went to the Labour Commissioner, we were not very sure on, on their strategy. But when the company came with, with the same argument, that there is no employer-employee relation. So, basically, the company is saying, we can do whatever we want. These people are our slaves. And they have their choice. They can choose not to be our slaves. And then, basically, die of starvation. And uh, this is the attitude which they came with. And then, we started to argue on this only. On this line, that these are full-time employees. You can go by any law. You can go by any precedent which has been set in determining employment in our country in various cases which have happened. Uh, you can use the Trade Unions Act, Factories Act, Shops and Installation Act, whatever you want to use. They are your full-time workers. 
and now this is being determined now the dlc in gurgaon and the alc in noida has also agreed in the cancellation process that these are full time workers you cannot deny it you are listening to spandan pratyush on the delivery charge podcast for him the labor law and the deputy labor commissioner were vital tools that could compel urban company to meet the demands of protesting workers spandan is a coordinator at the all india gig workers union the strategy was to convince administrators in different state labor ministries that india's regular labor law applied to the workers of urban company the fact that work was allocated to them through an app did not mean that they could not access the rights and protections for workers under laws such as the factories act and the shops and establishments act in a report titled studying platform work in mumbai and new delhi that she co-wrote with anushri gupta rajendra jadhav sara zia and simran lalwani nupur rawat who is an assistant professor in information studies at ucla wrote that debates in the west on flexibility and flexibilization precarity and platform capitalism cannot be mapped in a straightforward manner to the majority of the laboring world located in the global south in may 2021 in an article that she co-wrote with rida kadri she argued that unions and gig work in the global south quote exist on a continuum of strategies to reshape work conditions build collective worker identity and engage in mutual aid she called for new ways to make sense of app mediated work when talking about paid work for a long time in digital labor studies and platform studies people only focused on whether a particular platform is offering minimum wage or not so even in a project that was kind of internationally funded and i was a part of as a researcher um you know i found it very constraining that i was asked to sort of go out in bangalore and other places in india and try and test or you know ask these platforms are you paying minimum wage and that didn't for me didn't hold much meaning in the sense that people would ask me questions back right they would say oh, yeah here like we're paying the minimum wage first of all this isn't a salary right so we don't even have to adhere to minimum wage considerations because we're not offering they're not employees and all of that usual uh, debates that you might know of so then they would say the earnings vary so this in fact legally speaking gig workers uh, in india as far as i know are not even classified in that sense as contract workers or workers as such the the language of the contract that we looked at would classify them as also vendors as users of the same service the technological service that's being provided and hence it's kind of a marketplace model where these uh, drivers or you know others are coming in to also avail of a service so the earnings that they make might vary from you know wildly and so that was one issue with with focusing only on you know how much are they being paid and what are they being paid that is not to say that you know whatever they're being paid is is good enough or whatever because i've also heard this argument from some folks who are researching gig work in india and and i want to clarify that i i don't agree with that is that a lot of people like to make the argument that since a lot of workers coming into different forms of gig work uh, are already coming from worse off forms you know we've met a lot of people who were doing construction work or were driving jcb or other vehicles at construction sites for instance right and they're saying okay so since 
gig work offers some more form of formalization and digital participation and also financial inclusion because they kind of have to be banked in some way uh, if they want to participate in gig work net net you know this is better this is better than what they were getting in informal occupations i i don't i think that's a dangerous argument to make absolutely because it uh, allows the platforms to also piggyback on that narrative and say you know we're all for digital inclusion financial inclusion blah 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 so we're we're great we're good for uh, india's economy that's not the case Nupur's work looks beyond questions of legal classification and articulates the different ways in which platforms have dramatically altered several types of work. The algorithmic system like Uber for instance uh manipulates the drivers right which it does it it has a certain information asymmetry uh it doesn't tell drivers where they are going what the destination of the ride is uh until you know until almost the very last moment when they've arrived to pick up the passenger so there are ways in which these systems obviously control the behaviors activities and movements of workers um in order to make sure that these people comply right because uh as we have in white collar jobs we we like to schedule and we like to plan our work day ahead now imagine if uh the company that you're working for tells you i'm not going to tell you what meetings you have today until 10 minutes before that meeting um you know very simple example so what what would that do to your ability to plan your day ahead uh, or partition your work versus your leisure and family time right like it would completely go for a toss so these are the things that that are happening to uh, uber ola especially food delivery workers you know all of the gig workers that you can think of even in india but um the the thing that people had noticed and journalists had written about early on was that it's not as if these workers are taking it just lying down you know the workers are extremely smart resourceful and uh, think about resistance tactics which researchers and policy people and others need to pay attention to instead of sort of just saying oh these are these poor workers who don't have financial literacy or you know don't understand technology they actually understand it very very well um and so one of those things they were doing is for instance when um uber and ola started introducing uh different kinds of incentives based on how many kilometers you've covered or how many rides that you've undertaken you know uh which made it if you can think about it in bangalore it because everything of this sort becomes even worse because of the traffic congestion all of those things and so drivers realize that if i have to meet the target of 20 rides and uh, in a day or whatever you know i'll never be able to accomplish this um especially when they don't even let me plan my day ahead so uh what they did is and and i want to emphasize that you know this should not be taken as an instance of cheating or malpractice or fraud because the system is really kind of an impossible system to beat or to win so in order to cope with what uber and ola wanted them to do they had figured out that there were stretches in bangalore especially between airport and kind of outskirts of the city where you know you can control demand and supply so if you have made another account with you know your other phone and a lot of you might have seen in india you know we, they have multiple phones multiple sim cards all of that so it's just a matter of either getting one of your family members or maybe you make an account and if 10 of these drivers land up in a stretch where there really isn't any demand or supply then it's it's fairly easy or it becomes way more predictable 
for them to order rides for each other and just uh, you know complete that one ride and to those of us who are not driving it may not mean much but in the context of completing those 20 rides within the day uh, it means a lot if you can just rack up one or two rides without having to do that much work so that's one of those things that you know we discovered and we found really helpful and useful and and we wanted to sort of make sure that people understand that this should not be dubbed as cheating and fraud and what not you know just as there are instances where drivers say you know please let's just um, close the ride let's end this ride and you can pay me in cash right so again take the middleman out of this um and arguably all of these things when they were discovered they should have actually prompted these companies to uh design or redesign for more humane uh behaviors and interactions right and say okay if they are doing this it clearly means that this system isn't working for them um but that never really happened even in areas of work such as taxi driving where the workers considered themselves self employed even prior to the arrival of platform work there has been a loss of control over how when and where work is done and for how much umarani is a senior economist at the ilo in 2020 she published with her colleague rishab kumar dheer an article about how the covid-19 pandemic exposed immediately some of the vulnerabilities that the workers in the platform economy were facing so you know if you are talking about india where a very large number of them uh, especially if you are talking about taxi drivers they are self employed so you know they already have the kind of freedom and flexibility to uh, decide when they want to do the job or take a ride or decide you know which location they want to go to and you have a price setting mechanism that has been set by the jurisdiction of the state or at the national level or the city level so you know you have these very clear fair price meters that run that take into account a number of things they not only take into account the uh, amount of money that it takes for a diesel or you know the waiting hours that they have and leaves that are to be taken they take into account a number of things and this has been revised in a systematic manner and the taxi unions especially if you're talking about the taxi uh, fares have been very active in ensuring that the state or the central or the city municipality revises many of these measures now in comes a platform which talks about the flexibility and autonomy on both many of these platforms and then uses a, a algorithmic management tool to manage the workers both from the allocation of the tasks to monitoring what kind of a route they take to the kind of price that they would be getting by the end of it and then actually at the same time using the same tool to discipline them because if a worker says i do not want to take that particular ride or a particular route then he's penalized in the terms of you know either his rating comes down or he will not be given access to jobs they do not have the control and autonomy over their work and the issue largely that many of these uh, drivers have is with regard to pricing now you might ask me the question why did they join the platform then at the first place why did they get into it now here the issue is what the platforms have been doing is they have been luring a lot of these workers to come and join them so they have been entering these markets in the name of saying that you know uh, join the platform you'll get a very good 
price for the right that you get. So there's been a lot of incentivizing that has been happening. And many of the drivers were asked to get other drivers onto the platform. And then they were given a kind of a lump sum bonus, which was quite huge. So in countries like India, this was big money. And the result of the pandemic was uh, that as many of these workers are classified, whether you're talking about, um, you know, the food delivery workers or you're talking about the taxi delivery workers, they're classified as self-employed or independent contractors, or sometimes they are given designation, especially in the delivery sectors, delivery partners. But even in some of the taxi companies, you know, they are called as partners in a way to get them to be part of the entire platform business. So that meant that uh, if they did not have any work, uh, they were not able to earn any income. But at the same time, it also meant that because they do not have a clear uh, status of employment of an employee, they are not able to avail any of the benefits whether it is related to labor protection or social protection or any occupational safety and health risks that come by. So as you saw, soon after the outbreak of COVID-19 pandemic, there was huge occupational safety and health risks for many of these workers. Many of them who got COVID could not actually go and work. That meant that they did not have any earnings at all. And many of them, because of lockdowns, had to take break from working. We tried to actually understand what the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic was on these workers. So we took the same sample that we had and then got in touch with many of these workers, rather all of them in four countries. In, and this was across regions. We did Chile in Mexico and Latin America. We did Kenya in uh, Africa. And then we followed the workers in India, uh, in the Asian region where we were doing this work. And we found that a very high proportion of the workers had to take a break from working. And then we found that about 90% of the taxi drivers and about 70% of the delivery workers actually sort of reported a decline in their demand. So, you know, there exists this notion that workers found a lot more jobs, especially the delivery jobs, because these were the essential workers at that point of time, because many governments had reported it. But we saw that this was not true, at least for the sample. And this is not very surprising. One of the reasons is that you had a huge supply of workers coming onto the platform because many of them who are in the informal sector lost their jobs and this became an easy venue for them to get in. This also meant that there was a huge competition that was going on. So that meant that the ones who were already in the sector providing these services could not actually get. Second was a lockdown. Many people were in areas where they could not really get out or couldn't go to areas sometimes where they could actually provide these services. Then we also found out that about for 90% of our taxi drivers, that's about nine out of 10 workers, and again, seven out of 10 workers, 
the COVID-19 had huge consequences with regard to their financial situation for the household. So you know what it meant is because you didn't have so much of demand, you couldn't get the earnings that you required. So to run your families, many of them had to take loans, sell their, uh, you know, the assets they had. Or sometimes it also meant that many people moved out from towns or cities to suburban areas or smaller towns or to the villages. Many of them also went back to the villages to do agriculture, which was a kind of a coping mechanism that they actually found. And many had to actually even cut down their food consumption so as to ensure that their family had to run. Um, but I think the bigger challenges are like, the, you know, there are like bread and butter issues that workers have with like the number one burning issue for them is just aggregate earnings have just been dropping since the last two, three years, right? Um, and it's contradictory to what is happening in the market. For example, you know, workers are not stupid. They see like, oh, the restaurant that was doing 50,000 rupees delivery is now doing two and a half lakh or three lakh rupee delivery in like on a Friday night, right? So they know that the business is increasing and you know, like they ask customers, like, how much were you charged for this, right? Like, I might pay 50 rupees, he might get 30, 35 rupees for the delivery fee and things like that. And I think it's gone beyond that point where they were like, you know, okay, like, we want better incentives. They're like, you know, the company is overworking us. Like, in the last two years, uh, it's insane, right? Um People work on an average 14 to 16 hours a day. And because of like petrol prices increasing now, a lot of like these workers have switched to cycle. So like imagine in the summer, like even if you're not like riding your bicycle 18 hours a day, you're doing a bulk of these deliveries. It's hot, you're sweaty, you're dehydrated. And after 18 hours of login, you see like, oh, 600 rupees, right? And that's also like, the company will charge a penalty because like the waiting time, the delivery time was too high or you cancelled an order because it was five kilometers away and you don't want to cycle that far, right? So in every sense of the word, there is like, there is an immense squeezing happening, right? And I think it's reached a point where it's no longer about better peace rates it's no longer about you know transparent incentives like they've understood these companies have been around for seven ten years you know even when a new person joins like all the workers will sit and tell him about like all the ways in which this company is like a fraud right and nobody thinks that this is some like respectable means of livelihood or it's some innovative kind of like employment thing you know this Nobody wants flexibility. They want stable, regular employment. Flexibility might seem nice to like upper middle class people. It doesn't seem nice to the working class. They want a stable, you know, stable income, stable like uh, timing of work, right? And so I think what's happening is that we've gone beyond, you know, uh, that, oh, like these companies need to like just give us better incentives. You know, they've realized that incentives are just a way to extract more and more time and effort through piece rate work right but if the company controls the the rate of the piece right 
so they are controlling the wages they have the data and the systems that can control how many jobs i get so they've realized like these incentive target systems are just a way to like just keep them working beyond that 10 hour shift which is anyways a upper limit you know uh, as per labor laws so you know today like when you actually go and talk to workers versus like 2 years back you know when they were like oh can we just like improve the incentives back to the previous system and things like that they have realized that the business is booming this market is growing but our wages are decreasing there has to be like a reason for that right the reason is large unemployment large scale unemployment the reason is lack of regulation in all sense of the word like you know like they're they're just the new age postman of today right uh postman had government jobs so we can actually have like stable regular jobs and it is up to the companies to like figure out how to like manage that right and so i think the the frustrations and the demands that arise out of those frustrations of these like spontaneous kind of strikes in the last 2 3 years at least in delhi ncr because i like i meet with workers almost on a weekly basis even if it's just like a high hello thing uh you know like it's like and and of course examples like kerala trying to build public platforms or publicly supported platforms right or newer kind of like gig companies actually learning from what's happening uh, thanks to the gig workers movement like you know apps like bolt or uh, there's that other milk company that are now giving fixed term contracts to workers right so so in that sense like i think um, you know like you said like what's the solution i think the solution is still like rank rank and file organizing and you know escalating this at like um a political rights level uh but i think like fundamentally like the way the workers were viewing themselves has changed right a because in the pandemic they were called essential workers they were no longer like delivery riders and stuff like that right um and on the second hand like they're seeing the massive like uh you know influx of like capital that these companies are getting on the back of like their work right to to you know like capture more cities more towns more areas and so like they it's it's gone beyond like oh let's get better just better piece rate wages like you know it's like let's get like dignified kind of like working conditions and stable wages That was again Rikta Krishnaswamy of the All India Gig Workers Union. On August 13th, 2022, Rikta convened the National Convention of the AIGWU in New Delhi, where my friend the lawyer Ashok Kumar interviewed her. Since they spoke in Hindi, you can also listen to an English translation of her words, voiced by my friend the lawyer and tech policy expert Smriti Parshira. तो आज का हमारा कन्वेंशन यहाँ पे आई थिंक दस राज्यों से ट्रेड यूनियन लीडर्स आए हैं जो अपने अपने राज्यों में टुडेज कन्वेंशन ब्रिंग्स टुगेदर ट्रेड यूनियन लीडर्स फ्रॉम टेन स्टेट्स हु आर सपोर्टिंग द स्ट्रगल्स ऑफ गिग वर्कर्स इन द प्लेसेस दैट दे आर फ्रॉम जो श्रम पे जो अटैक्स हो रहे हैं ठीक है अब एक यूनियन कैसे रजिस्टर होता है आपको सौ वर्कर्स चाहिए दिस फॉर्म ऑफ एन ऑल इंडिया यूनियन इज इम्पोर्टेंट because of the attacks on labor today think of what it takes to register a union you need 100 workers to file the registration most registrations get cancelled and we have seen how social and political activists are being jailed a registered and legal form is important for workers to be able to claim their rights 
What companies say and what the government says is the diametric opposite of the conditions of these workers. These companies say that these workers are not our employees and we are not their employer. We are just a marketplace where they come to get work. However, every company has time shifts during which workers are required to be active on the app, whether they receive any work or not. The company also keeps tight controls on the quality of their work. It has performance ratings and gives penalties. Managers call up these workers and ask for performance improvements. This relationship, in reality, is that of an employer and an employee. They show us an app and tell us that this is a marketplace where the workers receive work and the company just takes commissions from them. The government also accepts this perspective, for instance in the social security code. The other labor laws don't even mention them. This is the organized sector. This is not construction labor. They mostly work for the same company and that one company alone is the source of their livelihood. In spite of that, under the law, they have no rights because they have been given the status of self-employed or freelancer. We have called this convention because the waters have now risen above their heads. The workers are in a bad situation. In fact, after the rising cost of petrol and the GST on essential food items, everyone's incomes have declined and these have now become questions of survival. The government is blind to these problems and is saying that gig work is a new phenomenon which needs to be encouraged in the country. Gig work exists not because there is new technology. It exists because you have not made any laws. The trend for any new industry is to first exploit, lobby and spend money on PR. But the truth eventually comes out and that has happened in the last two years. This convention will discuss the main demands of gig workers regarding their income, social security and safety, the legal framework required to ensure their income, social security and safety, either through the company or the government and the steps we need to take to achieve them. One of the speakers at this convention was Prashanto Ghosh, a delivery worker for Swiggy in Kolkata. The voice translating Prashanto's words in Hindi into English is that of my friend, the anthropologist Jagat Sohail. We have several problems. The first is one that no one has mentioned till now. When we go to the restaurant, we are given 10 to 15 minutes to collect the order. 
But the restaurants don't give us the food before half an hour or 45 minutes. After that, we pick up the food and go to the customer. There can be traffic jams and if there are delays, the customer marks us as unavailable. The company listens to the customer carefully and we face the repercussions of their negative feedback. We need to think about how we can solve this problem. We also face parking problems. We have to go near the restaurant to park our bikes. The police can slap fine on it of 200 or 300 rupees and sometimes we incur up to 700 or 800 rupees a day. There are no parking zones and sometimes we have no idea about it. We have to go near the restaurant because the app will not open for us unless we do that and we won't be able to see what orders we have to pick up. We need to be within a hundred meters of the restaurant. Only once the app opens can we see what orders we need to pick up. That's why we incur about 700 to 800 rupees every day on this. Another issue is that of membership. This fee of 150 rupees is steep for us because we make 750 rupees daily. For that, we have to work 10 hours and travel 100 kilometers. We spend about 300 on fuel and about 100 on our own expenses. Beyond that, we have our household expenses. That is why our request is that this membership amount be reconsidered, perhaps state-wise. This may not be a big amount in several states, but for us in West Bengal, it is a lot. Please think about it. Another issue is that of accident benefit. We are supposed to have an accident benefit of rupees 2 lakhs, but we don't really get it. If someone loses their leg in an accident, then they won't be able to work again in their life. This accident benefit is only for someone who has died, but that too is not really available unless we really struggle. No benefits are available to someone who has lost a leg or if someone spends six months to a year recovering from an accident. The company does not pay anything for that. We need to think about this. A few of us went to the Labour Minister in Kolkata and asked that these companies be summoned to find a solution to our problems. Now the government there is not ours anymore. They won't do anything. They will only talk. Even then, we will keep our struggle alive. We have to work for at least 10 hours, during which we have to complete 13 orders. But once we complete 10 orders, they stop the last three.
Even though our duty time ends at 10 p.m., we work till 12 to complete those three orders. The company does not want us to complete those 13 orders within 10 hours. We want to do the work, but they want us to work till 12 or 1. Then give us more orders. On top of that, we get paid 15 or 16 rupees for each order or 20 at the most. The petrol costs are increasing. And when we return after making a delivery, we don't get any orders. We travel 20 kilometers to pick up an order and make a delivery. We make 100 rupees. But we have actually traveled 20 kilometers to get there and 20 kilometers back. When we are outside our zone, we are not shown any orders and we need to return to our zone to get any new ones. So we spend a lot on fuel as well. The problem with logouts is also a major one. If a customer complains even a little, the company logs us out. We want to work. That is why we buy a bike worth 1 lakh rupees and mobile for 20,000. But the company can log us out. You are listening to some parts of a speech made by Prashanto Ghosh at the National Convention of the All India Gig Workers Union. The AIGWU is a national federation of several state-level trade unions that support the interests of gig and platform workers. It emerged from tech worker organizing. I am part of an IT workers union, a tech workers union, uh, right, since uh, 2020. And, um, you know, uh, in the beginning, like, so most of the people, like, we are all based in Delhi and CR, and when we were actually thinking of kind of, you know, organizing tech workers, we had actually considered gig workers as, like, tech workers, right? Uh, and um, at that time, we actually weren't really, like, you know, we didn't know about, like, you know, formal unionizing. And it was just out of, like, you know, pure kind of, like, interest as well as, like, what's been happening in the tech sector. Like, I work as a designer and a researcher. Like, I went, like, temporarily blind because of work stress in 2018, you know. And so most of the people, like, when when we were thinking about, like, you know, starting this union, we thought, like, okay, who will... With, who will it involve and who will it fight for and things like that, right? So it was only in kind of like 2020 uh, when like these protests started happening in our neighborhoods and, and around us and, you know, like that conversation that we had left off with respect to how gig workers, you know, are involved or, you know, are part of that kind of like tech workers movement, you know, we started having those conversations um and um you know citu actually like gave us like only the advice as per like their understanding of you know the sector and stuff like that and they said that you know based on our kind of understanding we feel that this should be a separate union because the issues are very different the struggles the even the immediate demands around you know them even coming coming under the ages of labor laws you know it's a very very different ball game compared to say even fixed term employees or freelance employees within like the tech industry who are maybe like working as engineers or researchers or designers or developers right so um in as much as um we can you know lean on them uh for any help that we require any advice that we require any 
inputs we require on how to escalate things right you're listening to rikta krishnaswami a delhi based coordinator with the all india gig workers union the aigwu is affiliated with the center of indian trade unions or citu a national trade union of more than 62 lakh workers according to its constitution the citu believes and i quote here that the exploitation of the working class can be ended only by socializing all means of production distribution and exchange and by establishing a socialist state unquote k hemalata the president of the citu also addressed the aigwu's national convention hemalata's speech was also translated into english and has been read out here by my friend the human rights and technology expert likita banerjee और ये समस्या सबका एक ही जैसा नहीं हो सकता है होता भी नहीं है जो ड्राइवर्स है ओला उबेर में काम करते हैं उनका समस्या अलग हो सकता है जो डिलीवरी और उसके साथ साथ उनका जो मांग क्या है वो क्या महसूस करते हैं यहाँ हमारा सामने अमृत सौभिक मांग पत्र एक रखा है उसमें कुछ मांग बताया है क्या क्या हमारा मांग था क्योंकि ये मांग जो वर्कर्स क्या चाहते हैं उनका मांग क्या है इसके बारे में भी यहाँ अगर हम आप लोग बताएंगे ताकि इस मीटिंग से हम एक कॉमन अंडरस्टैंडिंग से एक समझदारी बना के जाएंगे कि हमारा मांग क्या होना चाहिए हमारा यूनियन का जो पूरा देश में काम कर रहा है हमारा यूनियन का मांग क्या होना चाहिए वो हम एक चार्टर ऑफ डिमांड्स में उसमें शामिल करेंगे जो प्रस्ताव आपके सामने रखा है अलोंग विद दैट यू नीड टू ब्रिंग फॉरवर्ड द डिमांड्स एंड विशेस ऑफ वर्कर्स सो दैट वी मूव फॉरवर्ड द कॉमन अंडरस्टैंडिंग अबाउट द डिमांड्स ऑफ आई यू इसको हम एक चेंजेस कैन बी मेड टू द ड्राफ्ट चार्टर ऑफ डिमांड्स दैट हैव बीन प्लेस्ड बिफोर यू टुडे when we return to our respective states our work can be guided by these demands it is also important to create awareness of these demands and about the problems of workers amongst the users of these apps kya karna chahiye sobik ne bataya hai ki mangon ko popularize karna hai aur unko jo consumers hai uska jo use karte hain isko unke beech mein bhi leke jana hai wo bhi bahut zaruri hai जो वर्कर्स का मुद्दा है वर्कर्स का समस्या वर्कर्स का मांग उसके बारे में प्रॉब्लम सामना करना पड़ता है ये सब के बारे में कम लोग सोचते हैं तो इसीलिए ये सिचुएशन इतना प्रेशर के अंदर प्यार रिस्क लेते हुए ये सब काम कर रहे हैं उसके बारे में भी आम लोगों के पास भी लेके जाना है जो अवेयरनेस क्रिएशन का जो बात है वो एक तो वर्कर्स के बीच में भी अवेयरनेस क्रिएट करना है कि एक्सप्लॉयटेशन कैसा हो रहा है तो ये कैसा प्रोग्राम हम लेके जाएंगे क्या क्या प्रोग्राम लेके जाएंगे? 
What are other options? We don't have many resources today in our organizational structure to be able to deploy a lot of people and do a big campaign. We can use whatever CITU has today, its membership in different states and our activists. But we need to talk about how to use these resources and how to bring our issues before the Labor Department and the owners. जो CITU का स्ट्रक्चर है और हमारा वर्कर्स का भी है यूनियन का भी अलग-अलग राज्यों में कुछ मेंबरशिप भी है बता रहे थे बंगाल में या अलग-अलग राज्यों में तो वो मेंबरशिप है तो ये हमारा एक्टिविस्ट हमारा मेंबर्स इसको इस्तेमाल करते हो ये ये कैंपेन नीड टू हैव अ प्लान अबाउट व्हाट वी कैन डू इन वन और टू मंथ्स वेयर एंड डिपार्टमेंट के सामने हमारा मुद्दा को हम कैसा उठाएंगे उसके लिए क्या-क्या पॉसिबिलिटीज है और मालिक लोगों के पास भी उनका जो रिप्रेजेंटेटिव्स है उनके सामने भी ये मुद्दा उठाने तो ये टोटल प्रोग्राम्स एक टाइम बाउंड कि हम एक दो महीने के अंदर हम क्या कर सकते हैं कहां कहां कर सकते हैं कैसा कर सकते हैं इसके बारे में भी यहां से एक योजना हम बनाने बना के जाना जरूरी है और इसके साथ साथ ये काम तभी हो सकता है जब हमारा संगठन मजबूत होगा तो संगठन को मजबूत करने के इट इज सेड दैट देयर आर मोर देन 70 लाख गिग वर्कर्स टुडे एंड दैट दिस नंबर विल इंक्रीज और मेंबरशिप अमंग गिग वर्कर्स हाउएवर इज लो इन सेवरल स्टेट्स व्हाट कैन वी डू टू इंक्रीज मेंबरशिप आर्स इज एन ऑल इंडिया यूनियन विद एन ऑल इंडिया कॉन्स्टिट्यूशन देयर हैज टू बी मोर अवेयरनेस एंड अ कॉमन अंडरस्टैंडिंग अबाउट दिस कॉन्स्टिट्यूशन आर गोल्स मेंबरशिप एंड ऑर्गेनाइजेशनल स्ट्रक्चर एट द लेवल ऑफ कंपनीज एंड स्टेट्स ये तो ऑल इंडिया यूनियन है ऑल इंडिया यूनियन का ऑल इंडिया कॉन्स्टिट्यूशन है तो ये कॉन्स्टिट्यूशन के बारे में भी जानकारी होना जरूरी है मतलब हमारा मकसद क्या है हमारा मेंबरशिप क्या है और हमारा ऑर्गेनाइजेशन स्ट्रक्चर क्या है कमेटी लेवल क्या है कंपनी का अंदर कमेटी राज्य का जिला का कमेटी तो ये जो पूरा स्ट्रक्चर है जो कॉन्स्टिट्यूशन में है उसके बारे में भी पूरा देश में एक कॉमन अंडरस्टैंडिंग होना जरूरी है That was K. Hemalata, the president of the CITU, which is one of India's largest national unions. It is also the trade union arm of the CPIM, or the Communist Party of India Marxist, which is one of India's leading leftist political party. This party has been restricted to just three seats in the Lok Sabha, India's lower house of parliament, out of a total of 543 seats, but holds several seats in state legislatures across India, most of which are in the state of Kerala. CITU's affiliation distinguishes the All India Gig Workers Union from the work of gig worker activists such as Sheikh Salauddin and Ashish Singh whom we learned from in the last two episodes of this podcast. Their work is affiliated with the Indian Federation of App-based Transport Workers which unlike the CITU is not a large national union that brings together workers from several different sectors. This affiliation also means that the AIGWU belongs to the mainstream of India's trade union movement. but did it really matter to the striking workers of blinkit and urban company that the union that had mobilized to support them was affiliated to a large mainstream national union i spoke about this with sumandas mohapatra an organizer with the aigwu in karnataka when we are trying to unionize ourselves lot of time what we have realized that um, we are trying to unionizing uh, maybe uh when we are trying to do the long run fight and when we try to uh, influence the policy of the government uh 
uh, on a broader economic perspective we need support from a central trade union because if it is not registered lot of time um, companies different government officials government authority they don't ready to talk to us they don't recognize us once we will be registered with the central trade union and uh, so central trade union and for all these unions we take registration from the labor department so labor department is giving us the registration so we are authorized to form the union so in in any circumstances any government authority company who are abiding by this uh, law can't uh, deny us at least they can't tell that i am not ready to talk to you um um we uh, work with citu so it also helps because um like say i i do the coordination work for delhi ncr of course the aim is of course to have units uh, across companies where workers fundamentally understand what they're up against and hence what their demand should be so we are i would say in that initial stage of kind of like advocacy uh, and of course like support uh, of these spontaneous struggles that are happening you know almost like every 2 3 months there are like strikes happening even in my neighborhood right um and that's kind of like the learning ground for workers so our work right now is to kind of like help them understand the underlying causes of like you know their working conditions and uh, lack of any kind of like recourse um and build um leadership at you know like the ground level amongst gig, gig workers itself when there is a strike it's usually like very spontaneous currently as it is happening here and i i i think that it might you know go on like that for some time right um and uh, initially i would say like two years ago um uh, you know we were saying the same things and even now we're saying the same things uh but um at least in different companies at least in the area that i work in so like delhi ncr is very broad so like you know we have been trying to organize workers in swiggy in noida urban company across ncr um you know swiggy zomato in like south delhi for example which is another big hub um and in many of these cases these strikes these spontaneous strikes become like the first point of contact right that we or even like local citu trade union folks can have with these workers um most of the times you know the it follows a usual mo um an indefinite strike might be called but you know we all know that it can't be sustained beyond 2 3 days um and in those 2 3 days you have to be able to make the workers understand why it is that they ha- have to strike as a first measure right so you talk about labor laws you talk about kind of like collective bargaining you talk about how they're not even under the ages they're not even considered a workman and this is why all these myriad kind of like morbid issues occur um and that it is very imperative to not just you know stop work and you know they're calling a strike so that they come to know who the manager is so that they get a call from the manager because there are no offices now everything's kind of like uh, moved to remote kind of like operations um so you know even that simple thing of like oh you have to go to a labor commissioner um and you have to actually file uh, a complaint there 
and you know you have to actually follow up on this like if you don't you know the assistant labor commissioner is not able to do much then you have to escalate it and you have to escalate it and that's why you need an organization because these issues are not going to get resolved by like a flashbang kind of wildcat strike it requires sustained effort and also like political education of all workers who are involved right uh, so that's uh, really like what citu does you know so whether it's um uh, planning for a demonstration outside the labor commissioner's office setting up a meeting uh, giving the workers a platform to be able to talk about their issues um, and this is also like in some sense very critical because they'll understand what are the policies right and hence the politics behind why they're going through what they're going in the previous episode the 7th episode of this podcast we also noted some disagreements between the AIGWU and IFAT over the definition of the term gig worker in the social security code of 2020 and in the much heralded Rajasthan law for gig worker social security if you revisit the episode you can listen to AIGWU's Rikta Krishnaswamy argue that these laws uncritically accept the conception of gig work that had been put forward by platform companies instead of recognizing them as workers with rights under regular labor law these new laws created a parallel but weaker system of labor law meant specifically for gig and platform workers the citu quite clearly considers this a part of policies of neoliberalism that accept the shrinking remit of india's 20th century labor laws as fait accompli um i think people are so frustrated there are no jobs the jobs that are there you know are no less than you know like making you a slave driver right uh, people are working the delivery folks at least are working at least 14 odd hours a day and uh, without any kind of holidays as well um and so i think um i think putting down tools is actually even if it is short short lived um even if they know that this might not you know yield uh, the outcomes that we want i think putting down tools is kind of it, it is resistance right it is like it's the same thing when you know the lockdowns were impo- imposed uh, the first lockdown was imposed without any scientific rationale uh, the workers like walked back uh, to their villages right it was like a huge show of resistance that you know we won't be locked into these cities with no food um, no care and you know uh, no money we are just going to like walk like 300 400 500 kilometers so i feel like it is it is a you know big act of defiance and resistance um even the knowledge that you know you know these three days when these companies shut down lakhs of rupees is lost for them uh, uh, in sales uh, and their customers are agitated um you know is a way for them to kind of like show like how um indispensable they are uh, but of course the system itself is so entrenched right uh, that putting down of tools is not sustainable like in a store where 60 workers are putting down their tools or not coming uh, to work um, not many of them can actually afford to do that beyond a couple of days um, and it is very very difficult for them to um, you know keep that resistance going in other ways right like so putting down of tools is the only way in which they are actually showing their resistance and defiance um and not necessarily thinking of many 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 other ways in which they can do it
let's say migrant union is also a union under central trade union it and ites is also part of central trade union construction workers union is also part of um, central trade union so when we are fighting on segment then our fight will not be uh, uh, take the conclusive safe uh, in a long run so central trade union helps us to consolidate our fight and make it a, give us a platform to make it a big fight against the policy of the government and the, the economic uh, decisions certain decisions government is taking which is anti-worker decision uh, it will help us that platform because they are consolidating all these my uh, all these unions so that uh, they will give us a uh, place or forum and also definitely it's backed by certain political party so they have their representation in in the legislation legislature so they can influence certain time they can actually place in front of government in a in in the parliament also certain points which sometime uh, help us to influence the policy yeah so uh, what i'm saying is like in the beginning when the gig economy was just like taking its hold right in uh, our economy it was celebrated like people were questioning the need for labor unions and you know even worker collectivization and across the world not just in india india is not unique in that and you know it's not even been 10 years i think in india and already you see like it collapsing in every sense of the word right um, and unless you understand what are the machinations like of how like finance capital is working right it's not like these services sectors have become front and center it's still the manufacturing sector it is the crisis of overproduction right and a very tiny market of consumers that can actually buy things that is fueling all of this unless you understand the beast you know even the most immediate tactics and strategies uh, because when we go into negotiations say with the company okay accidentally if they you know there are these think tanks that will create these round table discussions and companies will talk about unit costs oh you know it, it doesn't make sense for us to pay workers more than this because the unit costs don't make sense well you know if if you look at their pnls they're not actually making profits or they reduce their losses every year. There's a huge influx and infusion of finance capital that's happening here, right? If they were unprofitable, they would not exist, right? So they are making money. There is value being created by these workers, whether it's in the, you know, in the way that it's supporting the manufacturing economy, whether it is the collective data on the back of which they're creating these new digital in intelligence systems. So the nature of value production has is changing and we understand that there is massive expropriation happening you know on one hand they're killing the small fish you know the small mom and pop sho uh, shops and on the other hand they're squeezing workers you know you know working 20 hours a day for 20 rupees a delivery that's the reality you know and so unless you understand what is driving this economy uh, and for that you need you know, at least a central trade union who has that historical, that institutional knowledge, right, of how like the market forces are kind of like the market forces of neoliberalism are taking over, you know, and expropriating. Like it's not just like it's not 
just appropriation it's expropriation at a level that is like you know unheard or unseen of so unless you have that understanding your tactics and your strategies and your politics i would say you know tactics more importantly will vary and differ so you know most people will think oh 20 rupees mil raha hai 35 rupees you know let's go back to the older rates and we'll still be fine and we have to actually ask them that question like you know do you know what value you're creating for this company on the basis of what are you determining that 35 rupees is a better starvation wage than 20 rupees right so it's more about kind of like asking these questions uh, and then like letting the worker through their experience actually define what their fight should be and so in that sense you know i would i would not say just citu like i think being connected to the broader labor movement is very important uh, for any uh, group of workers especially gig workers because they are actually literally fighting for political rights right now The AIGWU's work with Blinkit and Urban Company workers is a window to understand what it means to be a part of the mainstream of the Indian labor movement today, more than 30 years after the liberalization of the economy in 1991. In the conventional model of state labor relations, which developed in the early industrializing nations of the West, employers negotiated with workers whom they recognized as their employees and were organized into unions. The state stood guarantee to the results of this negotiation. Unions negotiated with employers on behalf of workers over pay, benefits and holidays even as they claimed to believe in the necessity of the public ownership of the means of production. This model never really applied to the vast majority of workers in the nations that began to industrialize in the second half of the 20th century. In countries like India, despite progressive laws and long before the start of neoliberalism, there was a large labor force of unregulated, informally employed and unprotected workers the mainstream of the labor movement which emerged from the tiny manufacturing core of india were organized under the conventional model where employers recognized their workers and had obligations towards them under regular labor law these unions were not able to hold employers accountable under the new labor protection laws for their duties towards the vast majority of workers whom they did not even recognize as employees After the government launched its liberalization reforms in 1991, the budget cuts of labor ministries at the national and state levels have neutered even the enforcement of labor laws. Marching in concert with global policies of neoliberalism, the Indian state now overtly promotes unregulated informal work. The welcome that has been accorded to labor platforms such as Blinkit and Urban Company is in keeping with this trend. These developments have long cast doubt on union strategies of mobilization that rely only on formal state protections and employer accountability unions like the CITU however continue to push back refusing to accept neoliberal policies as the permanent condition of state labor relations in india the aigwu contests the characterization of blinkit and urban company workers as part of the informal sector and advocates with them to use the labor law and to petition the state labor administration to enforce the labor law it is tempting to see this simply as a refusal to go gently into that good night or as a 21st century struggle that is fought using 20th century methods the niti aayog the government's think tank has predicted that 2.35 crore workers may be part of this gig economy 
by the year 2030. That big number is also an opportunity to considerably increase the strength of India's trade union movement with the disenchanted delivery workers of Blinkit and the women beauty workers of Urban Company. This was episode 8 of the Delivery Charge podcast and my name is Aju John. Thank you for listening.